Hello, my friend, and welcome to the 500th episode of the Sales Podcast. I'm Wes Schaefer, the Sales Whisperer, your host. You know, I feel like there should be doves released or fireworks or something. I don't know. Then again, just another day in paradise. Just finished the uh, audio book, uh, Relentless, this guy, Tim Grover. He talks about coolers, closers, and cleaners. It's funny, I literally just finished it yesterday. He talks about how he worked with the biggest guys, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant. And he talks about how, you know, they, they wouldn't really celebrate. Like, they're just ready to go to the next thing. That's kind of how I feel. It's like, 500 is cool. I'm planning 501. Uh, especially when, you know, I'm fighting my HOA over opening my stupid pool. Or I should say the stupid HOA over the cool pool. Just finished the fourth of four birthdays in eight days. Uh, daughter just turned 19. What the heck is going on? Oh, man. Spoke um, to almost 200 people on Thursday. Um, virtually, of course. Well, I guess it's not of course. Some are doing things in person. This one was virtual. Um, great session. I'm doing a five-week session uh, for that same, or a segment of that same group. And um, we're doing those on Monday. It's really really been good it's forced me to not not necessarily develop new content but lay it out in a better structure i'm really excited about and you get to benefit from that so if you're in the um in the make every sale community um you get a part of it right so the make every sale um is on demand so you get that at makeeverysale.com if you want ongoing weekly live interaction with me at sellmoreofeverything.com Com. Uh, today's guest, Stephen, um, like I said, smart dude, uh, written a bunch of books. The Offer You Can't Refuse, What If Customers Want More Than Excellent Service, When Digital Becomes Human, The Transformation of Customer Relationships, and more. Um, so smart guy. It's no wonder he was traveling around the world. People want to hear him. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel, nice website. I uh, don't want to take any thunder away from him. Uh, be sure to visit um, the get all the notes. We've got the transcription now on each episode uh, as a blog post. And then uh, link to everything, of course. If you go through the, if you swipe up on your episode, you'll see some of the notes and some of the links uh, to the things I talk about. Uh, you can get all of them on the website. All right. So now let's bring on our guest. Stephen Van Bellingham, we needed a global pandemic to get you to sit still long enough to get you on the show all the way from Belgium. Welcome to the sales podcast. How the heck are you? Thanks. Thanks. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. So are you getting cabin fever? I mean, I was looking over your YouTube channel and websites. Uh, you have spoken a whole lot in many places. So how, how have you uh, endured this new normal um well to be honest in the beginning it was terrible for me like and i had this beautiful spring 2020 planned going twice to australia going to malaysia a couple of times us almost every country in europe and then suddenly empty calendar right you you know mm -hmm. the feeling and i was panicking afraid that i would be out of a job for a year and a half or so but then you know luckily these virtual meetings kicked off quite quite soon and and to be honest, I've never done more keynotes than in the last 10 months. Oh, wow. um, I'm very happy that we have the opportunity to you know, speak to the world 
through a webcam. Um, but in all honesty, it, it doesn't give me the energy that I get from a real audience. And, you know, I just came back here. I'm, I live in Belgium, right? And I just came back from a client and we had a live event with eight people. It was like a, a board meeting and I was presenting there. And it was so exciting to actually see three-dimensional bodies moving and smiles popping up when you say things. And I realized how much I missed that. And the traveling, of course. Now I see the world, you know, as a Belgian. I used to be in three countries a week. And then you, you feel so much about people's culture and how they react to things. And I miss that. I miss that terribly. How are you seeing your clients adjust? Or have they made the adjustment? Are they optimistic about the future? Uh, will they go back to their old ways uh, if things open up soon? I see different kind of companies. I see organizations that are completely into the new normal and that completely adapted and they are fluent with digital sales, are having you know huge successes with it. They figured out a way how to bring their team together. Um, but, but in my feeling, it's the minority. I see most companies that I work with, they struggle. They struggle with the remote world. Um, like I, I've done quite a lot of work for the healthcare industry quite recently. And, and for them, this was a wake-up call. Uh, they had this traditional model of just having all their sales reps going to the doctors and, and sharing the message that they find important. And then suddenly they couldn't do that anymore. They had to go to a remote world. And what they discovered is that many doctors now use, and I, I say they, call, they use it as an excuse, the pandemic, to not meet up with you know, sales reps anymore from the healthcare industry. And, and the reaction of some healthcare companies is, yeah, the doctors aren't ready for the digital world. I, I tend to disagree. I, I just think the doctors are using it as an excuse because they didn't find any value in all these sales meetings and all these sales reps. And now they have the perfect you know, argument to say, hey, we're, we're not ready for this. And, and they are struggling uh, and they are retraining people and, and they're having a hard time. And I see many organizations that cannot wait to go back to to how it was. But in all honesty, I don't know if all customers want to go back to how it was. I, I, you know, I think that time is our scarcest resource. And I think that we're going to be more time sensitive after this pandemic than before. And of course, we want to go back to the real world. I want to spend time with my friends. I want to travel with my family, all those kind of things. But I don't want to lose time in commuting somewhere just for, for an operational kind of meeting because that company wants me to do that. So I think in terms of commercial relations, we're going to be very sensitive about our time. And I think a lot of organizations will have to figure out how to get ready for a world that is no longer remote, except for certain customer relations. Yeah. And you've, I mean, you've jumped into this over many years. Uh, your books include when digital becomes human the transformation of customer relationships. Um, another one I like, the offer you can't refuse. What if customers want more than excellent service? Uh, so um, you've been, I mean, you, you were doing sales and marketing. Uh, I mean, before, certainly before social media, but even, you know, before maybe even the internet took such a prominent position. Um are you, are salespeople still struggling with the same things, you know, or I love what you're saying with the doctors, not 
just using this as an excuse. I mean, are, are good salespeople making the transition and making it work because they're just good salespeople? You know, is this is this just highlighting who had weak skills anyway, or or is it something different? No, I think that's a very valid point. I think that the the really good salespeople they they have success in any kind of circumstances. Uh, these people adapt rapidly, and you know I. I don't think that the biggest change for salespeople is the fact that you have to do the selling process through a screen, that it's now remote. I think the biggest difference is that the informal contacts and the informal moments disappeared. And really good salespeople figured out alternatives, how to compensate for that. So they became friends on social media. They followed their, their clients on Instagram so they knew what was going on in their life so they can send them a WhatsApp message and say, hey, I saw that your daughter just graduated congratulations. And uh, I hope it's going to be a, a beautiful future for her. And then the next day they have a meeting and they can talk a little bit about that. And then they go to, into the more, you know, uh, rational part of the relationship. So real salespeople have empathy and empathic skills, and they figure out a way how to do that remotely now. And if you don't have those empathic skills and there's, you know, a blockade between you and your customer, and you cannot bring enough value to the table, then you have a deep problem. And a lot of the people who are suffering, this, you know, they've been pushing really hard. And the strategy that they use now is to push even harder. And I, I think that's the wrong strategy. I think that really smart salespeople turn the whole process around and evolve from push to pull, where you create so much value that people actually want to see you. And the ones that, that succeed in that, they, they use all the tricks. Huh? They share content on LinkedIn. They're available. They react to their clients. If their clients do something on Clubhouse, they are in the room. And they're part of the, of the life of the customer. So it becomes, you know, they, they can become a partner in life of those customers rather than being a salespeople that only has one objective, which is selling their product. Real good salespeople go beyond that. Does the IT director at my hospital, you know, client or prospect, do they want me engaging with them on Instagram and saying, oh, nice Jeep? <laughs> or do they want me to be all business? It depends from, from person to person. And, um, you know, just find the ones that are willing to engage with you. And focus on those. And for the ones that don't want you to be on Instagram with them, probably they have a private account. So you don't have that opportunity or they will refuse you to be part of it. And then you always have LinkedIn where you don't talk about your Jeep, but maybe you talk about your professional accomplishments. And there you can have that kind of conversation. So it's the having the empathy of knowing which individual will allow me and will like it that I'm part of their Instagram community and which person will probably don't like that. And I'm going to focus on LinkedIn there. So it's, it's a matter of feeling what works and doesn't work and adapting you to create a strategy for every individual client. It's not about the, it's the you shouldn't be guessing what the average client wants. It's about figuring out what the individual client wants. And then you create an, an approach and a strategy for every individual client. What? Are you saying treat them like humans? No, <laughs> I have a I have a quota. <laughs> Press real hard. The third copy is yours. And by the way, I just I tripled your order because I'm I'm about to miss my numbers, and and you know I'll make it up to you next quarter. Okay, <laughs> that that doesn't work. I don't know. 
<laughs> that is not the Belgium way, huh? <laughs> oh, I think it's it's it is the Belgium way. I think it it happens all over the place. Uh, you know that people just it, it you know the 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 kind of KPIs and the kind of evaluation methods that you use define the behavior. And in Belgium, we also have companies that are public and they also go for, you know, the next quarter. It's, it's the same kind of behavior that you see everywhere. Um, do prospects want to be called? You know, salespeople are always looking for an excuse to not pick up the phone. Has social media and 5G and COVID, has that made the phone more viable or less viable? My feeling is less viable right now because um, especially in B2B, people are like, are, are packed, their agenda is packed with, with back-to-back meetings. People are completely occupied and it's like some sort of a new, yeah, agreement that we have that if you want to talk that you make an appointment for, for that. We, we The entire society became some sort of a, reserve your spot society. Yeah, even if you want to go to a restaurant, if you want to pick something up, if you want to dump your garbage, you always need to have an appointment. And you see that as becoming part of the, of the norm. And because of that, the fact that social media is here, we can, we can reach out to people and, and make a difference there. Um, however, I believe if, if you can figure out a way to bring value in a phone call, that it may be differentiating today. But if you're trying to sell the old way, it won't work anymore. People, people know how that work, works and they don't like it anymore. I used to be a huge fan of cold calling. I, I started, I used to work in a research company for 12 years. I was one of the um, partners there. And we, we, we started the company in, the, in Belgium. And then we created, we opened an office in the Netherlands. And me and a colleague, we had to take care of that. I was, I'm talking about 2008 now. And we made and we built a success on cold calling, but we did it ourselves. I mean, we were the owners of the company and we called every potential lead and didn't ask them if they could, if they wanted to do research with us. We said, hey, we're working on an interesting piece of research here that we think is relevant for your industry. We would like to share those insights with you guys for free. What do you think? And about one out of three reacted positively. And I, I still think that works. If you bring value to people and you create a pool because of the value and you trigger them, you can use basically any channel you want. The problem is often that the message is too pushy. And especially in cold calling, we, we burned that platform because of the approach that has been used in the last few years. Yeah, I'm glad you made that differentiation because it's, it's all about value. I mean, anything that we do, I mean, if, if what you offer me is not of value, if I'm, even if I'm just trading my time, I'm giving you my attention. If, yes. if I don't get an ROI on everything I do, even if that ROI is to relax or just distract me for a moment with some humor so I can relax for a moment. Um, you know, I, I talk to people all the time. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't want a phone script. And, uh, you know, it makes me feel rigid. And so they just wing it. And then you listen to them on the phone and they're terrible. And they're like, well, I don't make cold calls. Cold calls don't work. Like, no, you don't work. You didn't do the work. So what you're doing doesn't work. And so now you're blaming the, the method instead of the message and the messenger, right? It's just, you know, but, yeah. but most salespeople, if they're an employee, 
they don't have a whole lot of control. You know, maybe they can't have their own blog. Uh, or messages have to be approved before they're sent. You know, so what can employees do in this crazy new world? Let, let's be honest. If you have, if you work for a company and you have to get an improvement for every LinkedIn post that you want to do, maybe you need to change jobs. Then uh, that's probably not a place where you're going to be happy and successful. Um, I, you know, employees always need to focus on that area where they have impact on. Uh, and if it's too strict and you have the feeling that it's blocking your way of working and it's blocking you from having any impact, you just have to change jobs. I think the, the, the question is here, what does the leadership needs to do to make sure that people can, can use their strengths and their talents to make a difference? And if we create a, a world where we motivate people to go out there and to be present in the online conversations and to share positive stories, uh, insights, learnings that you have in your industry that will build your thought leadership. And because of that, you will attract clients inbound. Or if you do outbound calling then, for instance, and they know you from LinkedIn and they've seen, hey, in the past 12 months, this, this, this lady here, she, she gave me so much value with all the posts that she's done. And now she's calling me. I definitely want to talk to her. I should have called her. I'm so happy that she's calling me. So you're creating you know, a context where people can use their strengths to make a difference and to bring value for the organization. Um, and, and I think they need to look for places where they can do that. And of course, you always have boundaries. And then it's just a matter of focusing on the things that you can do and what you are allowed to do and don't get frustrated about the other things. So you talk about on your website, uh, I dream of a world with happy customers that share their excitement with all of their friends and family. Isn't that beautiful, Wes? Uh, I mean, it's awesome. You know, like, hey, when I, I get a new golf club and I shave three strokes off my game and I beat all my college buddies uh, and they have to carry me on their shoulders. Yeah, I'm going to share that story. Um, am I going to share? Uh, oh, I got some good roofing materials from Lowe's, um, you know, uh, like where how realistic is that in a B2B world? Oh, you, you will definitely share that if it is conversation worthy, if they done something that is unique, if they done something that created additional value for you, if they helped you, if they became a partner in you, if you learned something from them, maybe not instantly, but there will be a moment that you're going to talk about that. The only problem is that most organizations have become average and being average is a choice. Uh, being a commodity is a state of mind. It's something that you decide to be. It's not the market that decided that. It's the company, the brand itself. And if you want people to talk about you, if you want to be conversation worthy, then you need to put the bar higher and make sure that you're not average and make sure that you have unique stories, that you create value for people, that you help them in such a way that you help them change, that you have an impact on their life. And then they will talk about you. And this is perfectly possible for, you know, someone who is selling bricks uh, and for someone who's selling uh, Ferraris. It works, it works for every category if you decide not to be average and to put the bar higher. That comes from the top, though, doesn't it? I mean, usually like the, the guy sitting in the cubicle pounding out phone calls. I don't have a lot of control over that. 
Well, you, you, you do, huh? you do, you, you can, you know, if you're sitting there and making phone calls or you're sitting there and, and helping clients day in, day out for you, it has become a routine. You do that every minute of the day for the customer. Sometimes it, it's a unique situation or it's something that they don't do every day. So for them, it's a special moment for you. It's routine. If you keep the mindset that every client can get a unique moment and you can find that energy internally to create a moment that you think you will excel and that you will be above average, you can do that. And there you can make a difference for every individual client. You know, I'm starting to like you. You're kind of wearing <laughs> on me. It's a good thing. Because <laughs> you, you, one of your books is Customers the Day After Tomorrow, How to Attract Customers in a World of AIs, Bots, and Automation. Uh, you know, I've talked about the ABCDE system, you know, attract, bond, convert, deliver, endear. And then it's, and it's a cycle. And you, when you endear yourself, you're back to the attraction phase. Um, so... It, it sounds like kind of that, that's your methodology or approach as well. I have kind of like how to create a customer for a lifetime versus just get a sale and run out the door. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely like that. I think that, you know, for me, there are always two things that are important in a timeline of an organization. And that is tomorrow and eternity. You need to deliver tomorrow. You need to bring in your results. You need to get your, your, your money in. But you also need to invest in eternity and make sure that there's still something there in eternity and that you will have clients and that every, I see that in my own business as well. Everything I do, and I mean that literally, everything I do, I see that as an investment for my eternity. But at the same time, I want to make money tomorrow with what I do, but I want to build something and I want to, I'm on a process. I'm on a journey to you know, become better and to create more value for more people. But then you have to deliver every single day. And then, you know, it starts all over again. It's everyday Champions League that you're playing. What about today? I, I want to get paid today. Can we do today, tomorrow and eternity? We can do that. If you like that, that's fine. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like getting paid today. It's always mo better, <laughs> but hey, tomorrow's <laughs> all right. But none of this net 30, net 90, then you drag it out. Then I got to send you to collections. That doesn't cut it. Okay. Net 90 is terrible. No. Show me the money. Supplier experience is also something to think about. <laughs> so, so I mentioned that the, the offer you can't refuse. What if customers want more than excellent service? So what do they want more than excellent service? Like, What else is there? Well, it's, it's an interesting year that we've had, right? We, we had the, the biggest digital acceleration in human history in the past 12 months. And that changed the expectations of people. If you, if you look to what people expect, you have a minimum demand. And that is, of course, your product and price and service. People expect that that is good. But digital convenience is also part of the new normal today. If you, it's a commodity. If you have it, fine. If you don't have it, you, you are in deep trouble. If you have it, that creates a transactional, a more rational kind of customer relationship. And then it's a matter of figuring out how to bring value that goes beyond convenience. And I work with two dimensions there. On the one hand, I invite companies to become a partner in life for their customers. I mentioned this a couple of times before. Uh, A partner in life for me is about empathy and timing. It's about understanding what people want. It's about understanding that every individual has like a movie, a film of their life in their head. And then 
if you understand that, if you understand their dreams and fears and their ambitions, you can create value for them. You can help them change. You can be part of their life journey. That's one aspect. The second dimension is adding value to society, becoming part of the solution of many global challenges that we're facing and um, using the strengths that you have in your organization to create value for society uh, and making sure that that is, uh, let's say, one storyline, uh, that everything that you do can be linked back to those elements. Uh, and then you come to four dimensions that bring value to your customer, good product, price, service, digital convenience, partner in life, and everything that has to do with solving issues for society. And if you manage to bring that together in one experience, in one storyline, that's when you have an offer you can't refuse. So how does this work in, you know, in business? I've got several members in my, my Monday morning group. You know, what they sell is it's a fraction of a business's operating expenses. You know, one guy does, he's a local courier service you know, up in the, the Baltimore area. So, you know, hundred bucks, maybe 300 bucks. I mean, not a lot of money per transaction. And, you know, it, for a company that dealing in, in a lot of those, you know, even if it's, even if they spend 10,000 a year, you know, out of a $10 million budget, uh, it's, it's a rounding error. You know, how, how can we get more mindshare from a company when we are just a small piece of the puzzle? You know, when it's like, it's not even to, in their mind, it's not worth the effort to change because they, they see it as just such a small part. It's like, yeah, okay. You know, this is 1% of my business. If, if you make me twice as efficient, all right, I gained half a percent net. It's like, never mind. I got, I got to go solve the 10% problems, you know, versus this, what they perceive to be as this little thing. And do you mean that, you know, getting more mindshare internally from the management, from the leadership team? Yeah. Especially when they, you know, they see you, well, like the, the Suez Canal, right? <laughs> I, what I've heard is like they lost power, or something happened. Uh, and, you know, you have this billion dollar ship, you know, carrying hundreds of millions of dollars of goods. Um, and, you know, maybe like, like the space shuttle when it exploded, right? It was a little O-ring. That thing was probably $10 or $20, even if it was $100. I mean, the, you know, the space shuttle was, I don't know, a billion, whatever. So, but whoever sold that O-ring should have gotten more mind share, right? So how do we, when we're perceived as being inconsequential, like my, my friend with the courier service, yeah, the expense is very low, but if they don't get, like a lot of times it's medical, you know, that he's dealing with. If somebody doesn't get a, a specimen, in time or if it's mishandled, if the temperature isn't controlled, the specimen's ruined, maybe a, maybe a life is lost because mm -hmm. this, this item doesn't arrive at the right time or an experiment has to be done over and that experiment costs, you know, $200,000 to repeat. You see what I'm saying? How do we, yep. how do we get a bigger mind share when we, when it's perceived that we're just an itty bitty cog in the big, big system? Yeah. Yeah, that's a difficult one. I think, first of all, it, it begins with the leadership team 
Um, I think it's the task and the obligation of the leadership team to make sure that every single employee knows how they will contribute to the bigger goal and that you talk with them and that you know how, what, what, what they find important, what they value and what their part in that whole evolution and that whole chain is. I think that's the first thing. That's the role of the leadership team. As an individual, if you're part of that big organization, um, there are two things there. I think you need to find your internal motivation to understand what your contribution is and focus on that and say, this is what I add to this whole story. And maybe there are other criteria than financial ones that you can use. Like you mentioned, if you can save a life, maybe with one product that you deliver. So that's one thing. The second thing is, um, if you want to grow inside an organization, it's a matter of doing your internal content marketing and making sure that you have your stories and that you have conversation-worthy things to say so that people can talk about your efforts and that those stories start to live. Work with anecdotes. Work with positive anecdotes. Uh, and, you know, the truth is that people within an organization, they all love people who can be enthusiastic and who share positive stories. If your strategy in that situation is to complain and to nag about it, it won't improve. You need to find enthusiasm and positive stories and then other people will start to like you. Then other people will start to share that story and eventually your part will get a higher awareness. But it takes time. Eh? It's consistent behavior over time. Keep those stories coming over and over and over again. And because of that, you will grow in that organization. But I don't have to be a cheerleader, do I? I don't, I don't want to be that chipper, happy. <laughs> Hi, Stephen. This is Wes at the Sales Whisperer. We're having a great day over here. How are you? No, I don't have to do that, do I? Please, please say no. No, you don't have to do that. I, I don't <laughs> think storytelling means that you have to fake enthusiasm. It's about uh, opening up your eyes and seeing the cool things that you're involved with. And, you know, if you have... That's sometimes the problem with our brain. Huh? If, 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 you know, if we get 100 emails a day and 99 of them are neutral and positive, but one is very, very negative, when we drive home, we think about that one email, right? And when we wake up in the middle of the night, we're still thinking about that one email. It just keeps us awake. And after a while, we start to think that the 1% actually means the average customer or the average employee, and they're not. Most people are more positive than that, but our brain is trained to focus more on negative things. So you don't have to be a cheerleader, but if 10 things happen throughout your day and two of them are negative, don't start by talking about those two. Just talk about the other eight in a very natural kind of way. And that already will be a positive differentiator. All right, good. Is that okay? Can you live with that? I can live with that, I, I, you know. I'm not going to be all that chipper. I'm just saying, okay. I'm just, just submitting the truth. Um, so how do you see things moving forward uh, the rest of this year? I mean, I, I've been telling people, I, I think 2021 will be a good year economically. I think, you know, we were so suppressed and depressed in 2020, you know, it's like this breath of fresh air, but I, I think there's been some real damage. That, that may not show itself till next year. And then we may have a bit of a malaise, you know, we've got to get through. Are you, are you seeing something like that? Or what are you seeing yeah. people in business? What are they, what are they thinking? How are they feeling? How are they 
what are they preparing for? What I see in Europe is that we, we will have a lot of issues with small businesses, small retailers, um, restaurant owners, people in the event industry, all small businesses that you know don't have that much money on the side and uh, don't seem to take off again. So that's, that's a huge issue. All the small fashion boutiques that weren't prepared for e-commerce and weren't prepared for a remote kind of sales and marketing world, they're in deep trouble and it's hard for them to rebound because they don't have the resources anymore. So I think we're going to have a lot of issues there once the government protection program stops being there. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really worried about that. When I look to larger organizations, um, I'm more optimistic. I see a lot of companies that are getting ready, that are changing, that are investing in new skills, that have good strategies. Most of the companies that I work with have done pretty well in, uh, economically. So I think that part will be fine. But in many European countries, the, the chunk of the industry and the economy are small and mid-sized companies. And I'm, I'm really worried about that. So I'm, I, I agree with you. Once the government stops funding them, and if the market doesn't take off fast enough, then 2022 could be terrible in terms of the economics for that specific group of organizations. So if somebody was going to pivot, to use the popular phrase the last few years, what would you say? Um, what do they need to add to their business to make it? Or maybe even like what's an industry you see that's taking off? I mean, cryptocurrencies and NFTs and, you know, I'm seeing a whole lot of that uh, mm -hmm. explosion in that space. Um you know, so so what industries are you seeing and, and what does a small business need to do if they do want to survive and not not pivot, you know, but just yeah. pivot internally? What should they do? Yeah, well, I've been playing with, with uh, cryptocurrencies and personal coins. I have my own coin and, and NFTs and everything. It's really cool. But I don't think that will save the uh, small businesses. Um, I think what they need to do is find the energy to outwork the competition right now and do everything you can to outperform in terms of brand and reputation. That's something that you can decide to do every single day. And you can start to share your story. You can start to create value online for your customers. If you're a restaurant that is closed, next to takeaway, you can make content. You can help people to have a healthier lifestyle. You can you know, uh, do something for children and, and facilitate their healthier eating pattern, things like this. So you can figure out things, how to create value for customers. And I think if you outwork the competition there by creating value through digital channels today, the moment that things open up again and the moment that things take off again, you will get the rewards for that. Do they need to embrace video? Do they put more into their e-commerce? Do they need to do Facebook lives, you know, or just, yeah. or just be better at what they do and, and the word will spread. Well, it's, it's finding the channel and the method that you you're good at. Huh? Some people are really okay with video. Others really freak out if they see a camera, other people are really good in words and others are good in, you know, making funny pictures, choose your talent, figure out what you can do best and then show up every day and, and share value every single day, push that, Share that with your customers, not just on social media, send it in WhatsApp groups, send it in emails to them. Make sure that they see that you are active. Make sure that they see that you want to bring value to them. 
and doing that in a consistent way over and over again, every single day with new inspiration, new tips, new, you know, uh, value for them, then they will remember you the moment that they need you. Very nice. So your website is, uh, it's your name, right? Do we need to, it is. need to spell that out? Steven with a V. Right. And then V-A-N-B-E-L-L-E-G-H-E-M. You need to create a shorter one for us Americans, man. We need I know, like. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's not just for you Americans. It's, you know, I live in Belgium in the, in the West Flemish part. That, that's the only part in the world where my name works. I need to change it. It's, it's terrible to work internationally. Or when I have a, when I have a restaurant reservation, then they're like, oh, what's your last name? And then I say it really quickly, Van Bellegem. Then, then they hide behind the screen and, you know, it's a very awkward moment. So I always say, just work with Steven. Probably yeah. I'm just going to do Steven. I just tell him Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to remember that one. <laughs> but I, I mean, even, even the sales whisperer, it's so hard. Like I have so many URLs, you know, that I'll redirect people to a landing page because they'll leave out T-H-E, they'll leave out the second E-R. Uh, I had this one person like, V, sales whisperer? And I'm like, and my Schaefer is German, but it's not, it's not the, the sales whisperer. Like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with these people? But anyway, we're linking to you. Thank you. Thank you. All I have to remember is go to the website, um, the sales whisperer, and, and they'll find you. But a uh, very popular YouTube channel. Uh, I'm linking to your books. Where should someone start? Which book? Should they get your most recent? Should they get an older one? Uh, read them in order? Read them in reverse order? I would, I would start with the last one, the Offer You Can't Refuse. I think it's very timely. I feel that many organizations are really thinking about these topics. So I would start with that one. Okay. Um, and I'm linking to it. Uh, do you want to send them to Amazon? Is that the best place? Sure. sure. Amazon is good. Okay. So we'll be linking there. The offer you can't refuse. What if customers want more than excellent service? Very nice. Well, thank you, sir. I know it's, uh, what, early afternoon for you? What time is it there now? Almost three? Um, no, no, no. Almost eight. Almost eight in the evening. Oh, it's that late. Okay. Well, yeah, it's almost 11 here. Yep. Gotcha. Nine hour, um, nine hour difference, California, Belgium. All right. Well, it's time to drink. I mean, you've probably already been drinking, but you don't have to admit that, you know, it's okay. Either way, I'm not judging you, but if well, you don't drink quality, us, I will judge you. But so there's that. As okay. Belgians, we'll, we, we always find excuses to, to drink a beer or a glass of wine. And it's actually the first warm day here. And I'm sitting here behind the screen. And then I have, after this, I have a clubhouse meeting with my friend, Shep Hyken, the customer experience. Oh guy yeah. No, Shep. Work with. Yep. Uh, so we're going to do that. And by then it's going to be 9 p.m. and dark and cold again. So the drinking will be for tomorrow. So beer and wine, uh, not, not a big whiskey community? There is a big whiskey community. It's just one of the few beverages that I don't drink, to be honest. Yeah, gotcha. that's a depressing part. Have you tried any Belgian beers? Uh, I've tried a whole lot of beer, so probably, but I, I can't name one off the top of my head. Like what, what would you recommend? My favorite one is Duvel, like devil, but then the Flemish way, Duvel. Okay. You should check, check that one out. That's like the most popular premium beer that we have here. Okay. I will look it up. 
Yeah, and, you know, I, I mean, look, hey, my, my guests all the time, they'll send me like cases of their favorite alcohol just to show appreciation. So, I mean, you know, yeah. you can do that. It's, it's, uh, it's allowed. It's even you encouraged. Didn't, you didn't receive it yet? That's, that's strange. Uh, yeah, send me the tracking on that, would you? <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> all right, Stephen, all the way from Belgium. Thanks for coming to the show, man. It's been great. Have a great evening and uh, tell Shep hello. I will. Thanks for having me, Wes. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. All right, Cheers. I love his message. Stop complaining. Consistent behavior. Open your eyes. So many good things. Um, great minds think alike. Um, I love having guys like this on. Uh, digging in. Reiterating. You know, are you willing to go through... I don't, I don't want to say go through the motions, but you, you've got to do the steps. You've got to do the repeated steps. I always talk about it. You know, jujitsu, simple, basic moves. We drill them. We warm up doing them. But a lot of times you don't know the purpose. Uh, but it's usually the one who wins is the one that can execute the fundamentals better, faster, more consistently, stronger, quicker. So, but you've got to do it so many times. It becomes second nature. You can't think about it. Just like in a fight and jujitsu and sales. If you don't recognize what's going on, you're behind. If you're behind, you can't lead. If you can't lead, then you're just reacting. If you're reacting, you're just like every other salesperson. Yeah, you know what? Send me some information. You know, go ahead and send a bid over. We'll, we'll be in touch. It's no way to win in sales or in business. And business is sales. Marketing is just selling in print. The number one job of a marketer is to be interesting. He who has the biggest list, he who has the most effective list wins. That's life in the big city. So I hope you got a lot out of this. If you're struggling, if you want to stay ahead of the game, right? So many times like people wait until they're struggling to do something about it. And it's, you know, I wrote a blog post a long time ago, and people will spend a lot more money on an aspirin than on a vitamin. Even though vitamins cost less, and in the long run, they really cost you less. You know, people complain, oh, jujitsu, $159 a month. It's like, well, do, do you have health care or do you have sick care? Most of us in this country, we have sick care. We have great sick care. If you have cancer, if you're in an accident, it's the best place for treatment. If you want to live a healthy life, look around. This is not the best place. So for, what, four years, January, so what is that? 48, 51 months, 51 months, I've spent 159, well, it was a little bit less when I first started. Let's just say 51 months times 159 $8,109, not counting the extra chiropractic visits, which I just went on Friday. Um, some supplements I've taken over the years, uh, all over the counter stuff, but you know, the geese that I've purchased. So, you know, 10 grand, let's call it 10 grand over those 51 months. Is that worth it? Well, I'm in good shape. I've got great friends. Um, and I can kick most people's butt. So I don't know. It's kind of cool. Uh, you know, gets me out of the house, helps me think. Um, 
Will it help me live an extra five years? Maybe 10 years if I keep this up for another 30? Yeah, I think it will. You know, but what else are you going to spend your money on? So invest in yourself. Do surround yourself with people that won't blow smoke up your ass, right? And people that'll, that make you do the fundamentals over and over and over again until you master it. And then you keep doing it. All right. My instructor and all of the instructors under him, they, they do the warm ups, they do the drills, they, they spar, right? They're not sitting around watching. I mean, we go toe to toe with each other every day. That's how they earn respect. That's how you earn respect. So if you want to get there quicker, if you want to stay there longer, hit me up. TheSalesWhisper.com. Go to the contact us and let's talk. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll go sell something. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.